My dear friends, going through some material down the hall in our amazing Temple Israel archives, I found a New Year's announcement in which the English greeting was misspelled R-U-S-H, Rush Hashanah, instead of R-O-S-H, Rosh Hashanah. Perhaps this was a more accurate description than we would like to think of the way we were living our years pre-pandemic. I think it's fair to say that many of us were rushing our years away before COVID hit. We raced through every experience, failing to stop to capture the magic of the moment. Even something as simple as coffee with a friend, calling a relative, sitting down to a family dinner, or reading a book with a child. Many of us pre-pandemic were literally killing ourselves to get no place faster. We rushed our driving to save a few minutes of travel time. We hurried through breakfast, lunch, and dinner to get back to work. As we gather on this Jewish New Year's Day leading to Yom Kippur, which is known in Jewish tradition as the Sabbath of Sabbaths, isn't it really as if a Sabbath meteor named COVID hit the entire world last March, forcing us all to slow down. Remember what it was like in houses with children prior to 2019 for you families watching virtually? Often it was a race to school, a rush to the grocery store, a hurry for carpools, speeding to sports practices, music lessons, religious and Hebrew school. The clock was our master. Time, our tyrant. And perhaps most tragic of all, we raced through each other's lives. Please understand me. I detest everything about COVID, including its ongoing daily impact on more than a few of the thousands who call Temple their second home. While many of us are doing fine, this is the first place folks call about job losses, financial losses, health issues, relational breakdowns, emotional depression, anxiety, anger, and spiritual isolation. Forgive me for not having the time or interest to preach on global affairs, national news, or social media battles, because when you are in the daily spiritual trenches, all that matters are the people right in front of you. One of you here in person said to me, and I quote, Rabbi, since March 2020, it's been so incredibly difficult, and Temple has been my life jacket and spiritual anchor day and night. So I'm not a silver lining rabbi when it comes to this pandemic. Having walked and wept alongside so many of you, it's no exaggeration that the volume of calls from members of our synagogue, from family members and other congregations who call me who are struggling, from city leaders and a Memphis faith community in need of temple spiritual direction. It is no exaggeration to say that the volume of calls, messages, and texts increased 
threefold for me since last Rosh Hashanah. People with addiction issues who had been sober for 10 or 15 years worried that they might start drinking or using drugs again. Parents of college kids are calling me about their depressed children who are not cheering at football games like most are on Saturday afternoons. And unrelated to COVID, a few members gave up hope and took their own lives. I think of them and their families often in the sanctuary. But much is not sad in our little city named Temple Israel, where we not only survive the tough times, but also celebrate the simchas. The bar and bat mitzvahs and weddings during this pandemic have been among the most meaningful in all my years as a rabbi. And where Temple has really come through is the modeling of what a 24-7 caring congregation looks and feels like. Whether for couples who didn't make it through this pandemic as couples, or providing a safe place for Jewish children and adults of all ages to land. I am the rabbinic liaison to our Temple Cares Committee, led by Debbie Jackson, with seven other caring souls who make calls, deliver meals, give rides, and provide support to our members. Four weeks from today, we will be starting another group, a virtual grief and loss support group. However you may be experiencing grief or loss, led by the gifted professional, Betsy Mandel Carley. I'm overdue in singling out Barbara Herman and Rob Mann on this, their 12th year leading our career transition group, which has met monthly since the 2008 financial crash and throughout COVID for dozens of individuals who've been underemployed and who lost their job. Despite all the political chatter about jobs being available for anyone looking, it all depends which jobs, right? I've learned from serving as your rabbi and from a wide array of Jews who feel safe talking to me, that the income crisis in our nation runs much, much deeper than COVID. So Temple continues to be the lifeline for those not as lucky as I am personally to have a loving spouse, healthy family, and intact home. I've never prayed as much as I have this past year for members who asked me to pray for them. So as one who has been in the trenches much more than on the tennis or pickleball court, I don't believe we needed this pandemic to reshift our priorities any more than two temple members in recent weeks needed ovarian or prostate cancer to realize what matters. There is nothing moral about disease. But this religious response named Temple Israel is a moral and loving theological answer where God is found in our individual and congregational response to whatever befalls us in life, including whatever occurred this past year, good or bad. And yet, I still couldn't help but chuckle when I saw that misspelling R-U-S-H, Hashanah, Rush, Hashanah. 
made perfect sense in the early 1990s when I was a father to young children and noticed how parents back then weren't stopping long enough to absorb the daily miracle of their children growing and changing. Why didn't they stop? Not because they were bad parents, but because they were feeling too far behind, too overwhelmed in their daily and weekend schedules. There were too many social events to stop and catch up with their children's lives or their own lives. There's a reason why one decade was called the go-go 80s and why fast food exploded in the 1990s. Did you know that dinner time in the 1990s averaged eight minutes for families? The early 2000s was the era of the overprogrammed child. Not even 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, or the 2008 market crash slowed the rush Hashanah of each new year. Among the big ideas to absorb whenever we gather on Jewish New Year's Day is an awareness of time. Time itself as perhaps God's greatest gift to us, only we human beings are conscious of time. So far as we can tell, the rest of creation is not. Channeling our time wisely then can potentially be our crowning achievement as human beings. We can change a rush Hashanah of frenzied living into a new year of sanctifying what truly matters most. As you have hopefully read in this exquisite high holiday edition of the Temple Voice crafted by Anna Bierman, our theme for the entire high holy day month we're in, three more weeks at TI Memphis is Life Reimagined body, mind, and soul. Life reimagined is not an original phrase, of course. I even read a revitalizing book researching this sermon entitled Life Reimagined by NPR religion reporter Barbara Bradley Haggerty of New York Times bestselling fame. Her book is about the science, art, and opportunity of midlife, which essentially means from your 40s into your 70s. And for those of you over age 80 or 90, let's be honest, your life in your 70s and 80s was not the 70s or 80s your parents were living. My amazing mother with us today is 86 and spent the summer going from stretch and weight aerobics classes and book clubs to the tennis court. She also got her booster shot in Massachusetts as we pray our elders and especially our kids under 12 get vaccinated soon. But midlife has been given a bum rap. Haggerty documents how the ugly rumors about midlife began in the 1970s when Gail She and other writers stereotyped midlife as a cataclysmic period surging with existential dread, which she labeled the forlorn 40s and resigned 50s in the book Passages, as some of you may recall. My friends, in fact, there is almost no hard evidence for a midlife crisis relative to other periods in one's life. 
This is not to say that the middle-aged are all a cheerful or carefree lot. I'm 58, and people 15 years younger or 10 years older zigzag between demanding children and frail parents. We middle-aged people shoulder heavy responsibilities at work. We are generally under-rested, under-exercised, and overfed. And yet, as Haggerty discloses in her book, 90% of the middle-aged are not in crisis. She found that three themes explain the good news about these years. Themes, I believe, are applicable to every stage of life except perhaps the very first and very last days of one's lifetime. The first of the three themes she found for those who have imagined to re, and they've managed to reimagine their lives, body, mind, and soul. First, key is to engage with verve instead of disengaging emotionally from the parts of your life that matter most, whether those most important parts of your life are your kids, your spouse, friends, relatives, work, learning, or other passions. She calls it purposeful engagement. The second related theme is choosing purpose over happiness. As University of Wisconsin psychology professor Carol Riff puts it, happiness is overrated. Let me repeat that. Happiness is overrated. Pursuing happiness can actually backfire physically, maritally, emotionally, psychologically, even spiritually. Much better is the pursuit of medium and long-term goals that give meaning to your life rather than a short-term jolt of happiness like dopamine. Pursuing purpose leads to a different kind of satisfaction. In Judaism, we call it nachat. It's the fulfillment that comes from raising terrific children or the reward from training long and hard for the Paralympics that just ended. I'm a Florida Gator, but if you want to be proud of Alabama, forget about the big money in college football. Check out the Alabama Adapted Athletics and Men's Basketball page. You'll see Jacobs, camper and astrophysics major and standout athlete Abraham Hausman Weiss playing basketball in wheelchairs. That's purpose. Study after study shows that purpose in life is far more important than wealth or even education in determining long-term health and happiness. Purpose is not a panacea, but it's awfully close. The third and final theme in reimagining life at any age or stage, I owe to a temple psychiatrist and friend, Paul Klein, and the other great psychiatrists and psychologists in this congregation and city who practice cognitive spiritual therapy. Simplified, forgive me, doctor, the main idea is that your thinking is your experience. Or as Haggerty puts it, how you think can shape 
how you experience the world, your career, your relationships, your health, even your happiness. Now, of course, much of life is shaped by biology and life circumstances, the genetics of who your parents are, whether you're susceptible to mental or physical disease, what your emotional state is. Imagine those factors like the wind thrusting your little boat in a particular direction on Horseshoe or Pickwick Lake or Hot Springs. Your environment can steer you like a challenging or helpful current. Did you grow up in a nurturing home? Are you struggling financially or wealthy? But there's also a mechanism on each of our little boats and inside each of us called a rudder, or in Hebrew, hegeh. That internal steering wheel is your thinking and your approach to the highs and lows of life, to the stuff no one else escapes. No one escapes. That is what can calibrate one's happiness. And here is a surprising statistic. Experts believe that up to 40% of one's happiness is determined by how a person thinks or acts. Our thoughts, our hopeful thinking, really can chart every day in 5782. This Rosh Hashanah day is the day to recalibrate, not surrender, to reimagine, not give up, to repurpose your life and never retire from it. Rosh Hashanah is renewal time, body, mind, and soul. Hence our invitation to each of you, whether in person or remotely, to embrace these holy days at temple and the wisdom of our tradition as your Jewish wind to a life of greater purpose. As many of you know, the crazy in me has run one marathon for every three years I've been alive. I have not won any of those 19 marathons, just humbled by the Kenyans and other superhumans who barely touch the ground as they glide like gazelles. Perhaps the greatest American distance runner in history, the iconic legend and hero who single-handedly sparked the running boom in the 1970s was University of Oregon Steve Prefontaine, or Pre. Pre competed in the 1972 Olympics. He died tragically in a drunk driving automobile accident while preparing for the 76 Olympics after suffering some racing setbacks. At the time of his death, at age 24, he held every American outdoor track record between 2,000 and 10,000 meters. And when he was asked, Pre, why do you run all these races if you know that you aren't going to win? Pre answered, the purpose of running is not to win a race. It's to test the limits of the human heart. My dear friends, I believe that's what we are all in this world to do spiritually, COVID or not. We are in this world and in this lifetime 
to stretch the limits of our human hearts. We have all learned these past two years that it's not just the future that is unpredictable. What we have ruefully discovered, even in recent weeks, is that there is no telling what even the immediate future holds. The ringing of the shofar today is a reminder that we and the world really can still improve for the better. That's what the letters of shofar, shin, pei, or fei, resh, mean, by the way. Did you know that? The letters of shofar mean to improve. We blow out the bad stuff and recommit to filling ourselves up with the good stuff. That purposeful potential God has placed within each of us, which is within our control and nobody else's. How interesting that in Hebrew, the word for reimagining life, the Hebrew word for getting better, making the world better, uses the same letters as shofar. Chaim meshuparim. Shupar, shofar. You hear it? Life reimagined is what your temple clergy, staff, and lay leaders wish for each of you individually and as a congregational family as together we reimagine and recreate a better life, a better Memphis, and a better world. Amen.